If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Tamaka Mac, McMullen, and McDonald here to hang with you for the next couple hours. The Eagles will get back to work after the defeating, demoralizing loss at the Seahawks on Monday night. They will reconvene as a team and probably go walk through. Did Sirianni mention that yesterday, John, if they're going to have a padded practice or a walkthrough? It is uh, back to normal. Walk through, um, uh, walk through Thursday. Everything's pushed back a day, so walk through Wednesday turns into walk through Thursday. Um, so no changes unless we get to the facility later today, and they change, right. <laughs> which is yeah. what happened last week. So. It can happen. We have you never say never. Very recent precedent of the fact yeah. that it can change. But Nick did meet with you guys virtually yesterday, and he Woo. was spinning Woo. as best he could, uh, coming off a three-game losing streak and making the massive change that they did at defensive corner. You knew that it was going to be full spin cycle. Which spin did you like better, the offense or the defense? You know, it's funny. Nick struggled, so the struggling continues into a second week. But uh, I don't know. But most people, I, I I got the feeling from most people the uh, the answer on the interception because it was so bizarre um, was the biggest issue. My personal biggest issue was the explanation that not much changes with Matt Patricia, uh, and he's not going to be running his defense. He's being going to be running Sean to so it's like it, it strikes me as change for change sake uh and why the hell are you doing that in week 
whatever it was, week four, wherever we, yeah. I, why are you doing it so late in the season? That was my biggest issue. Um, but it seems like most people looked at that answer about that particular play, the interception to AJ Brown. And it was such a bizarre answer talking about drawing a pass interference. Yeah. Uh, you don't call plays to draw pass interference. My own spin is I think he led wrong. I, I think he misspoke and was saying, well, it, it, the whole point of that is you take a shot with one of your best players and maybe you get a pass interference, but he led with the pass interference and look, he made the mistake. Now he's got to clarify it. I think that's what happens. Um, and, and a lot of protecting the quarterback because the quarterback was terrible on that. The quarterback didn't look off the safety, Julian Love. Um, I looked at the play again. Uh, the cornerback the right at the line of scrimmage is playing 12 yards off. 12 yards off, Jody. 12 yards off A.J. Brown. Um, right there, you probably kill it and say, all right. Because remember, the progressions are on that particular player, high to low. Doesn't mean you have to throw it to A.J. Brown. You could throw it, and obviously the low progression was open. That's yep. how we should have how we should have went. So he's trying to protect the quarterback as well. But the answer was just horrifically made, and 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 people run with the baton, obviously, and he, he's taken a lot of hits. But as I said, personally, my bigger issue was with the defense. There's no stinking changes. And by the way, I looked at that. They had two thirds and tens, including um, the the essential game winner for Seattle. Same defense, same defense. Sean would have called, you know, one cut uh, that for some bizarre reason, they're playing the sticks instead of uh, trying to protect the end zone. They didn't execute. Same shit, different name on it. What the hell's the difference? Which asked me the question of why are you doing it? And then uh, the third point would be, I, I think people forget Seattle won the game on the same play the Eagles were trying to accomplish. They just played it well. So for everyone saying that's stupid, that's a, Seattle won the game on the same damn concept. Uh, you know, a, a young backup quarterback, well, I guess he's not that young anymore, but executed better than the MVP candidate. Right. Um, Julian Love executed better, I think it was Reed Blankenship as the safety. Or or Locke looked him off, you know, could be one of because Jalen didn't look Love off. Um, and Love made a great play on top of it, but. So all of that enters into it. All right, let me let me ask you about the offense first, then we'll get back to the defense and Patricia and playing the same day. Uh, on the offense first, the whole yeah, you know, we were trying to draw a penalty on the play. Just is is mind-numbingly uh, unbelievable that he would go there. And I'm sure that there's somewhere that you can look this up if you know how to do it, John. Please do so. Um, I think it's a faulty, even if it's not ridiculous on its face, I think it's a faulty narrative in that how many times do they call pass interference against uh, A.J. Brown? He's one of the most physically dominating wide receivers in the National Football League. And whether it's a forebrain thought or a 
uh, just off the top of your head, the uh, natural thought. They're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. They're going to believe that on a 50-50 ball, he's got a major advantage going up over a smaller slider defensive back. I, I'm sure there's somewhere you can look up staff on percentages of balls thrown his way and how many pass interferences are uh, called against the guy who's trying to de uh, defend him. My guess is he'd be one of the lower guys in the league. And late in the game, they tend to, you know, be a little bit more liberal as well. It was just a dumb answer. I, 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 you know, but I think that's what it was. As I said, that's how I took it immediately. And other people took it in a different direction saying, oh, he's trying to draw a pass. I don't believe that. I, you know, I could be wrong. I, I could be a hundred percent wrong. I think it was just a jumbled mishmash answer um and why he did it that way i don't know you know he's a little obviously he's a little upset um i i don't know why he answered it the way he answered it but he answered it very very poorly um well. and there's no doubt about that you know um as, as far as you know he, he started so at times there we've seen you can get a pass interference there i don't know why i started there it is what it is on a particular play but if you get a pass interference call there and if the team is given he goes into this pass interference narrative uh you know they ended up getting a one-on-one -on -one shot that had some different things there and we've seen it you know so he added it at the end and he added it at the end again what i think he 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 meant to say we're trying to get a one-on-one -on -one shot with aj brown and you know, you can also get a pass interference play, which would have been fine. Would have been, you know, it still didn't work. It's still bad play by the quarterback, yada, yada, yada. But I think the way he answered it, the misjointed way he answered it created a bigger thing than than it needed to be. And, you know, we can go back to his first press conference. We thought we were past this. I'm sure he's going to have interviews today. He's contractually obligated interview. I'm, I'm sure he'll correct himself. Um, but yeah, when you say stupid stuff, yeah, people can take it in a million different directions. And, and oh, by the way, looking for a one-on-one -on -one is one thing. The quarterback's inability to judge the fact that he's throwing in the double coverage and you didn't get the one-on-one -on -one that you were hoping for, that you could maybe draw that's a pass the in the on. Issue. Come on, that's on the QB. And I'm that's... sure he said all that because... He was trying to protect Jalen. Yes. Jalen made a bad read on the play. Yes. The underneath option was open. Smitty was wide open. That would have got him close enough to field goal range, at least a long one. And we know Jake Elliott is completely capable of making long ones. That was the play. He just made a mistake. The quarterback made a mistake. If that was the number one option, and that's at least what we heard from A.J. Brown, which, oh, by the way, Sirianni never said that yesterday. He never said that, yes, Brown was the number one option on that play. We all assume that Brown's telling us the truth. Uh, would have been nice to get Sirianni to confirm it. That's on the QB. He's got to make the right call there. And he made the wrong call. And he threw it to the wrong guy, and maybe he was trying to protect him. But that's – I'm sorry. You just got to from time to time. You didn't didn't bother you to not protect you on the side when you told him, guess what, go up to the booth. Matt Patricia's calling plays now, so you can't protect everybody, Coach.
Uh, but I will give him this much. He did protect Brian Johnson uh, in saying the criticism of Brian Johnson. Yeah, Brian's calling the plays, but don't kid yourself. This is my offense. It's been my offense since the day I showed up. That didn't change year one, didn't change year two, hasn't changed in year three. If there's criticism of the offense, it should be left at my doorstep, not at the play callers, which is accurate and is right. If and I've been gonna... saying a hundred times on this show. He said it a hundred times. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, it's his offense, you know. And and Brian gets a plate of sort of a template of things he can choose in certain situations. And and oh, by the way, in high leverage situations, if Nick wants something called, Nick will get it called. And um, same thing with Shane. Same thing. And he said it. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's Brian Johnson, if it's Shane Steichen, if it's in the future, Kevin Petullo or anybody else, Alex Tanney down the road. Um, it's always going to be his offense. He has said that consistently, consistently, as long as he's here for better or for worse. So if people finally listen to that good, um, and I've been saying if you want to blame somebody on the offense, and I, they were terrible uh, in Seattle after the first solid two drives, so two of the first three drives. Um, blame Nick Sirianni before you get to Brian Johnson. Well, speaking of which, uh, Alex Tanney, he's another guy, kind of like Matt Patricia. Hasn't been mentioned much in the last 12 weeks since uh, preseason uh, and, and you guys being down there every single day for camp. Um, it's tough to judge. Uh, you guys get at least a partial look. The rest of us get no look whatsoever. So we don't know what kind of job that he's doing, but they talked him up a good game during this preseason. The quarter is back has gone backwards woefully this year. How is that anything, but not a good, not a great job done by Alex Stanny? Um, well, you know, position coaches aren't going to get much love other if you unless you're Jeff Stoutland to begin with, but uh um so they don't get a much attention no, after training two, camp. Two position coaches got jumped up to become coordinators this past year, right? No, yeah, I'm saying, but you know, he was uh you know, he's moving directly. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach and they got promoted to being the quarterbacks coach. That's sort of how it works. Um uh, to take over for Brian, who was the quarterback's coach, who got promoted for the offensive coordinator. And that's, you know, sort of the setup that Nick Sirianni wants, and, and he wants to continue to have success, and he wants when guys get plucked, because if you have success, guys are going to get plucked. He wants guys in place with the system and his offense that knows, and he Likes Alex Tanny a lot, who basically started, you know, came right off the field basically to be a coach. You know, he was playing for the Giants not too long ago. So uh, he's a very young coach. Um, yeah, I mean, he's regressed. So is it, I would I blame Alex Tanny for the regression? And by the way, he's regressed. Remember, this guy was, we talked about MVP candidates yesterday. This guy was the leader in the MVP race. What three weeks ago before the, the 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 streak started? I mean, I don't see this massive regret. He's played poorly over this stretch. He's played very poorly. I'm not trying to make excuses, but I don't think if you look at the entire season 
and until this, when they were 10 and one, and he was the leader for that uh, in, in the betting markets, when they were 10 and one, I thought, yeah, there were some issues with him running the ball. And we talked about what's going on there, but I thought he, he actually improved as a passer uh, at that point. And then for whatever reason, you've had this downtick um, and he needs to correct some stuff. And he, Alex obviously has to help him. Brian has to help him. Shane has to help him because he's not playing the same way. Why is he not playing the same way? I mean, I got to put it more on the player than anything else. Right. But, um, but, but we give uh, position coach credit when a guy does well and we talk about him as a, a fast riser and they could be a coordinator soon enough. Well, when it goes the other way, we got to at least be fair and say, what's the problem? And, well, yeah. I mean, everybody looks bad when you're playing like this. So everybody, you know, uh, Quality control coaches, you know, if anybody knew who they were, they look bad. Everybody looks bad when you, when you play like this, but yeah, I mean, again, when they were 10 and one, everything was great. Not, not everything, but most people were taking shots at the defense, not the offense. Now they complained about the style points and they complained about the play caller because they always complain about the play caller. I went through the list. You go back to Dana Bible, every single one of them. Fan base didn't like for vast, uh, large portions of their uh, uh, now there's some revision with Frank Reich and there's some revision with Shane Steichen. People forget the early days. Um, you know, those guys had tremendous success and, and took them to help to take them to Super Bowls. So there's some revision, but part of the job, you're going to get shot upon bottom line. Right. And uh, since you went to the MVP thing, um, I think what it tells you about that is, and remember, these are betting markets. These aren't the 50 guys who have MVP polls being uh, MVP votes being polled and saying, who are you leaning toward right now? So it's no, speculation yeah, yeah, yeah. at best. It's yeah. smart speculation. The betting markets are what they are, and they make millions, if not billions of dollars because they're very good at what they do. But th they base that on, I think you could draw this conclusion, the quarterback of the best team. Oh, Jalen's yeah. numbers oh, were down. Hey, you compare where Jalen was 14 games into the season, 14 uh, again, as uh, or 11 games at the time when they're 10 and one, it's compared to where he was the year before 10 and one. They're not even close. He had, was playing much better last season than he was this season. But this season, he was the only quarterback who was 10 and one. Everybody else in the league had at least two losses. So for those oh, who yeah, want to make this argument, Quarterback wins is not a stat. Oh, you bet your ass it is. Of course it is. Well, it you is can... for some people. It is for it's not for others. But right. But I'm, when I'm when vehemently to... disagreeing with those who fall into the category. It's not a quarterback stat. Yeah, it is. Except it, it, for except for the fact I, that the evidence that it is in the minds of something like MVP votes. Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, who cares about it? I mean, the Eagles aren't trying. The, the Eagles are trying to win a Super Bowl. The 49ers are trying to win a Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, if they upset the 49ers, Lamar will be the leader. Uh, and, and, and they're trying to win a Super Bowl. Now, it's nice when your players get awards. Guess what? The MVP week 11 uh, was Christian McCaffrey. Week 14 is Christian McCaffrey. Week 18 is going to be Christian McCaffrey, but he's not going to win it because it's a quarterback award, as you You're mentioned. As per John McMullen. Yeah, as per okay. as, right. as per John McMullen. Not. 
as part as okay as per your guy Brock Purdy. He's the one who said it as well. He's the MVP. Um, well, everybody McCaffrey knows said it was Brock Purdy. So uh, everybody everybody knows Christian McCaffrey's the MVP of that team. Everybody, everybody knows it except you. I'm sorry. Everybody knows. Oh, and or the people who are going to vote for it. So, uh, okay. With them. Okay, John. It's the, it's, you got this Brock Purdy obsession. It's an award that you just said. It's the best quarterback award. Yes. Who's the best player? Honest. Be honest. Who's a better player? Christian McCaffrey or Brock Purdy? Christian McCaffrey can't win it because they don't, they're not going to give it to a running back. And he's so good. I I I I hope that there's smart enough people, and we got to get Rob Monty on. I hope there's smart enough people that 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 actually vote for him because it would it would it would really improve my thoughts of of the people that do that instead of just voting for what you said is correct. By the way, it's the quarterback on the best team. That's what the award is. That's what the award, and that's fine. But that's not meaningful when you have an historic right. Here, here's year. Where you, here's where you and I separate. The word value. For me, value means winning football games. Not who's the best positional player at their position. The quarterback starts with more value. It's baked in. Well, the position course. lends itself to more value. So if you are the best quarterback, that gives you a major advantage on being the best valuable. You're equating Who's the best football player equals the most valuable player? That, in my opinion, and apparently in the opinion of those who vote, is not so. They look at value as value rather than who's the best football. Whoever we determine is the best football player, therefore that equates to the most valuable player. They just don't look at it that way, nor do I. Well, that's fine. Everybody can have definition, but you've created the award, not you, but you've agreed the award is 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 best quarterback, uh, quarterback on the best team, which I agree with. We agree with that. And that's fine. People have made it into that ward. That's why I say the award is meaningless. There are certain years where players are so good. See, John, you use words like meaningless. Why would you do that? It's because it's, meaningless. it's not meaningless. Because no, you def- you disagree with the definition and the way that they give it out. Well, that's but I what think, this show I think is. Winning a National I... Football League MVP is more than meaningless. Well, when 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 we have this show, we have this platform. We're lucky enough to have this platform. I hope I don't have to say after every opinion of mine that it's my opinion. Obviously, it's my opinion, Jody. I, I that's I hope we can stipulate that moving forward. It's my opinion. It becomes meaningless. It's the best play. It's the best. It's the quarterback on the best team. Who's having the best season? And when you have an historical season, I, I covered Adrian Peterson during his MVP year, and and they gave him the award, which is still astonishing to me. But the game, the game has changed even so much since that period. And Christian McCaffrey's having such an historical year. I hope. I hope. He gets the recognition. I fear he's not getting the recognition. So, yes, to me, to me, who cares? It's meaningless. It could be Lamar. If Lamar upsets Brock Purdy, it doesn't knock you because you think I'd knock Brock Purdy. It doesn't knock Brock Purdy down a perch because people think Lamar beat him. I saw Manuel Art show arguing. He's getting yelled at yesterday on TV. 
who's better? Because everybody thinks Lamar's a, a, a better player, but Brock's right now is in the lead. Who cares? He's having he's having a tremendous year. That's what I mean. It doesn't matter. If Lamar Jackson beats him on whatever day that is, uh, whatever they're playing, Christmas night, that makes him the MVP over Brock Purdy. That's why I say it's meaningless. In my opinion, in my opinion, he's still, Brock Purdy's still having a phenomenal year. But if you ask me, he's not even the MVP on his team. And that's, that's not an insult either because Christian McCaffrey's having an historic, historic season. And in my opinion, yeah, Brock Purdy is the MVP. He, he, and we'll find out in three weeks. And yeah, if Lamar goes out and completely outplays him and dominates him, oh yeah, I think it's that close that Lamar could actually jump up and at least pull even with him, if not go ahead of him. But we got to wait until to see how the game is played on Sunday night between the Ravens and the 49ers. All right, waiting in our green room is John Stolness. I don't even know if we'll ask him to jump into our MVP debate or if we'll just get to what the hell is wrong with the birds. We will punch John Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Heard 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hit that like button because John Stolnes is here. All right, I know you don't like me. I know really like McMullen, but you should like John Stolnes because he's a very likable guy uh, from Bleeding Green Nation who put up a great uh, We post. went too long. John's got a heart out at nine. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get John out on time. Um, here's what I want to start with you, John, because like I said, your post was very good. And you, like we did here, noted as well, the Jalen Hurts post-game comment about commitment mm-hmm. and that they need to be more committed. Um, he left it open for interpretation because they did follow up and they tried to get him to uh, kind of redefine what he said. And he's, I don't have a dictionary, which was yeah. kind of a flippin' silly answer, if you ask me. And then you ran down five or six different things that he could have been referencing. <laughs> But we're all just guessing here and reading between Mm -hmm. the lines to come up with some. So I'm going to try and follow up with you and tie you down. Understood. It could be any of those and or it could be a portion of any of those. Which one do you think Kurtz was most relating to? Well, um, before I answer that question, let me say this about as I've thought about it over the last couple of days and trying to think about where his frame of mind was in that postgame press conference after having been sick all week. And obviously he I don't think as the game went along, it looked like he. He, I don't know that he was the best option at quarterback as that game went along. I mean, he just, he looked completely wiped out. And I wonder if in that news conference after the game that he didn't even really, not that he didn't know what he was saying when he used the word commitment or whatever, or what that might entail. But I think he was just, it seemed to me, maybe he was just kind of talking without any real sense of where he was going to end up with what he was saying. Like, I know he's usually very, meticulous in his words and and very careful with what he's going to say. And I don't, I don't know that he wasn't just so tired and exhausted and sick that, that he didn't really mean anything specific by saying commitment that he just kind of said it, you know how it is when you're sick and you're tired or you're stressed out or whatever. And you just say something. I'm with you. I think he took the nighttime NyQuil instead of the daytime was a little loopy. (laughs) That's what I said to Jody. I didn't take it that seriously. I really didn't. I, I, did you know the nighttime Nyquil excuse for Sirianni yesterday? And we were taking no. draw pants yes. and a spirit pants. Come on, yes, running no. down, we're taking nighttime Nyquil. They, they, Come on, they, you got to be held accountable for what you say. They they bought the big package at Costco. Yeah. Well, that's why I. That's right. Got a whole team, uh, team size portion. I, I think I, I'm very interested to hear what he has to say now that he's had a couple of days to think about it. If he was of, if he was as mentally sharp as he normally is when he made those comments and he was talking about commitment, then um, my best guess is that the some of the players are not doing everything they need to do, all of the little things to to be as successful as they have been, and I, I think part of that can be. The mindset of you've you've got to ten and one after you went to the Super Bowl the year before, you start to sniff yourself a little bit. You start to think you're maybe a little bit better than you are. So maybe you're not you're not as as into the team meetings as you normally are. Maybe you're not 
you know, running your routes exactly the way you need to be in order to create the proper spacing on the field and to get, put yourselves in the best position. Maybe you're not hustling as much as you can be in practice during the course of a week. I, I think, I think that's more likely. I think what that, what that would mean if, if, if I'm mentioning that, if I'm saying that in a, in a news conference that maybe the players have maybe we're relaxing a little bit, resting on their laurels a little bit. And after getting beat pretty bad by the 49ers and the Cowboys, you know, it's hard to rev that back up once that intensity level drops a little bit. So I hope they're able to find it. If that's kind of what he meant, that would be the most logical explanation for me. But again, I, I'm not sure he really even knew what he was saying or what he meant to say during that news conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you completely, John. I, you know, and people take these things like they're gospel. You know, I always say nobody's under oath. I just spent last week getting lied to the entire week by the head coach. I mean, if that doesn't identify, <laughs> they're not under oath. I, I don't know what yeah. does. Um, and yet, parsed apart where, and, and Nick Sirianni is a, a good thing. And you, you, a good example of this again this week, and you brought up the, the um, explanation of the A.J. Brown play which was just a terrible play by the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and you called it, I believe your term was next level stupid, which I agree with. And that alone tells you, all right, a couple things. I think he misspoke, number one. I think he was trying to say, oh, we're trying to get a one-on-one -on -one, and he could possibly get a pass interference, but he did this misjointed jump. And that's his responsibility. He yeah. can clarify it or he cannot. But I can say a lot of things about Nick Sirianni, and I've spent the week just destroying the guy because I mm -hmm. think he did a terrible job leading up to that Seattle game. I think he was purposefully coming up with the worst plan. He did a good job coming into that Seattle game. Um, so I've been pretty hard on him this week. He's not that dumb. <laughs> he's not He's not. He's no. not plays to draw pass interferences. Yeah. But I, everybody – because of what he said and the misjointed way, not everybody, but the way he said it, they're saying, oh, this guy's trying to draw a pass. I don't believe that. Am I wrong? I thought he was covering for the quarterback, and I thought he did it in an inarticulate way. I think he did it in a way that makes them both look stupid uh, because yeah. nobody – I don't think anybody really believes that Nick Sirianni had Jalen Hurts throw a ball that was, what, a 10%, 5% catch percentage at best – and clearly a 0% catch percentage in reality when, when it got in, when it got intercepted and it just didn't match the game script. It didn't match the moment. Uh, any, as, as down as people might be on Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni, they had to know that they needed 15 yards and had two timeouts in which, in which to get it. So that play doesn't benefit you at all. Like the, the difference between like what does getting to, I don't even remember where the interception took place, but I think it was About inside. The 20, the it would have been, yeah, it would have been like at the 20. So, best, so maybe, you, scenario. maybe yeah. you give yourself a shot to get it into the end zone and win the game, but that maybe, is still maybe not. Cause there's only maybe like not. They're probably like left. six seconds. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, so to just the, the cost benefit there makes no, makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. And I, I think that that was on Hertz. I, I think he just, I I don't think he was sharp on on no, Monday night. No, I think he wasn't. I think the illness really was was part of the problem with him, and he's been uneven all year. I mean, this is not just a one game thing, but Hertz is smarter than that. Hertz knows better than that. He he's he's usually more more game savvy than that, and and it just I think I think 
Sirianni was trying to cover for the quarterback, but he knows that there's no real explanation for throwing that football in that spot and, and fumbled it. All right. So I need your take, uh, John and John, both of you guys on percentage of truthfulness and believability when Nick Sirianni said yesterday, there won't be wholesale changes to the defense. There'll be differences, but not wholesale changes. Was he lying? Was he stupid? Was he kidding? <laughs> How are we determining what we're to take out of Sirianni's statement yesterday about the defense and the fact that Matt Patricia is now calling the place? I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a I think it's notable that he's at least admitting that. I mean, even does does the size still have the defensive coordinator title? I mean, I think yes. I don't think they've stripped he's got that the of title. Him, no. Which is which is just again they, insulting. They might have a ceremony to strip it, uh, strip <laughs> right. it off his. Right, they're going to take yeah. the C off of uh, off of the jersey, the uh, the the oh, the DC off of the uh, size uh, uh, Eagles uh, polo yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know it's, I. It's it's hard to it's hard to put into words what it is they're thinking and, and how they've carried this out. Like it's last bizarre, week, you could man. you it's could bizarre. have gone in and you could have handled this maturely last week. And and Sirianni, I don't know if he's so obsessed with with this competitive advantage over other teams or or whatever. I mean that's the that's the tagline that they use whenever they do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I, I don't know if they were really doing that or if it was fumbled. I don't know. Again, I I still don't think we know for sure that this was Sirianni's decision. They he says it was so okay, but you know, like we like you guys said, he he lies in his news conferences when he thinks he has a competitive advantage or when it's going to benefit the team. So I I, I don't. I, I don't. I didn't, and I didn't see a whole lot really different with the defense on Monday night. I think they were playing a quarterback that for three and a half quarters stunk, and then they figured out, hey, we have DK Metcalf on our team, and he could probably be James Bradbury on a regular basis. Yeah. I, I don't. I didn't. I mean, they did some things different. Some guys played more snaps than they had. Some guys' roles were a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it, it, it comes down to that that front four being able to get pressure. And if they're not, you can move all those linebackers and safeties and corners around and all that as much as you want to. It's just it's not going to have a whole lot of difference. And so I, I mean, I think they're just kind of moving deck chairs with that defense right now. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's they're grasping at straws. Yeah, I think Sean Desai would have called the exact same defense on both of those third and tens. That's exactly <laughs> what they do on third and ten. Um, I don't think anything changed. And even I was with you, John, my first watch. Um, I was like, well, they're changing some personnel things. But even if you think about that, well, Slay's not playing. So Ringo's yeah. got to play. And they they got Ricks involved as well. And the, both of those guys held up pretty well. I think that was one of the bright spots of the game. Um uh, people got excited. They saw Patrick Johnson. Uh, he's playing off-ball linebacker. He's playing off-ball linebacker because Shaq Leonard can't play off-ball linebacker. Yeah. Um, it, they used a lot of three safeties. Same thing. They mm-hmm. have no other linebacker. So yeah. they they don't trust if Christian Ellis was here, but that's another conversation. Um, so even the personnel changes, if you peel the onion back, it, it wasn't they had to play the corners. They had yeah. to. Um, and, and they don't trust in Jack Leonard yet. I don't know if they'll ever get to that point or if there's anything left. So, and, and that brings up the larger question of why, because I haven't talked to you about it. So I have to ask you why, look, I'm not trying to defend Sean Desai. This defense was underachieving, mm-hmm. but I brought this up with Jody and I want to get your thought, uh, about it. 
if, if you had those three games, because he got fired on three games, if those three games don't happen, and I'm talking about Buffalo, San Francisco, and Dallas, and yeah. think about that. San Francisco, the best offense in football. We're arguing about MVP candidates. They have more than one MVP candidate. That tells you how good they are. Um, Buffalo, I think, has the most difficult player to deal with in the entire NFL, Josh mm -hmm. Allen. Dallas scores 40 points a game at home. 40 points a game at home. Those are good teams. If those three games were, like, spread out, week three, week seven, week 12, same numbers, same performance, I think Sean Desai is still here. You you believe that? And 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 overall, why? Why? Why make the decision? It strikes me as panic. Yeah, it definitely was panic. And at the time I, I said, well, sometimes you're right to panic. Some sometimes you need sometimes panic is, is warranted. And I do agree with you though, if they if these losses had been spread out. Uh, it might have been a little bit different. I mean, heck, if these last three losses in a row that the Eagles have had were spread out during the course of a season, we wouldn't be freaking out about it. But whenever things start to snowball, that's when you start to make decisions on 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 people, on processes, on on anything else. And things are starting to snowball. And it's December when things are starting to snowball. Like if you have this three game losing streak in October, you're you're not panicking like this because you still have plenty of time to figure things out. Well, you're running out of time to figure things out. And you only have so many buttons that you can push in order to try and get the ship right. So I agree with you. I don't think Desai is out if this happens in October. I don't think he's out if these things are separated by by a few different weeks. I mean, this the Eagles if they're if they're sitting here with the with the record that they have at, at ten and four with these losses spread out a little bit, there's not going to be a whole lot of panic. There might be some concern on some way some games have gone and the way they performed against some of the better teams, but you're not you're not surreptitiously firing your defensive coordinator, not firing, firing your defensive coordinator in the middle of a week after coming off those, those two straight losses. And I just, the, the thing that bothers me even maybe more than the play on the field was that this, this club culture, the Eagles culture was supposed to be one of the best in the NFL. The locker room was supposed to be one of the best in the NFL with all of these leaders, with a CEO head coach that knows what he's doing, with these offensive coordinators who are learning on the job but had been getting the job done so far. And they allowed these two losses to the 49ers and the Cowboys to completely upset the apple cart, to completely throw the entire locker room and, and the culture of this team into, into chaos. That, to me, is, is worrisome. Because I thought there were more adults in the room than there seemed to be over the course of, of this last week. I mean, you have Hertz talking about commitment. You have this mess with the defensive coordinator. Fletcher Cox last week was talking about we need to find out who our guys are. There were reports of finger pointing after these two games. Like, you allowed these two really bad losses to completely throw everything into upheaval like that? That's not what I thought this team was. That's not the foundation I thought that this team had. And that's what, as much as anything as we're talking about with the defense, with the front four not being able to get pressure, all these big money guys you have not getting the job done, the response to it is as concerning as anything else. All right. Uh, I'll uh, let you, in advance, second guess the new defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Um yeah, I, I disagree with John about the whole Patrick Johnson thing. He got a handful of snaps, whether it was a linebacker or a fifth edge guy, fifth guy on the line. The guy who got the extra snaps with Shaq Leonard not playing more than 50 was Sidney Brown. They went mm -hmm. with an extra DB rather than an extra linebacker. They had a linebacker off the field, went DB because he played as many snaps as he did 
Ringo played as many as did. Rick did played as many as he did. And Bradbury played the whole entire game. How about this week? Bradbury got his lunch eaten again mm -hmm. this week. He's been terrible after yeah. being all pro last last year. Do you go even further? Because Sidney Brown had a terrible game. Awful tackling. Awful. Do you yeah. give him that many more snaps off that? Do you put the rookies who both played well? Neither one gave up a completion. Either Ricks or Ringo. Do you put even more on their plate this week and back off uh, Bradbury? Would you think about setting Bradbury this week against the Giants? I, I probably wouldn't sit Bradbury. If, if Darius Slay is in the lineup, I, I might do that. Uh, I think he at least gives you a, a veteran presence out there. I think you can certainly stop having him play man in, in some of these key situations on, on these third and tens and isolating Bradbury uh, on, on the field in different spots. I think schematically you can you can hopefully hide a little bit of the fact that Bradbury's speed is is gone and that he's not able to keep up with with some of these guys. Um, I would certainly, uh, and thankfully against the Giants, their skill position players are far below anything the Eagles have had to face over the last month and a half. So that that should help. I mean, you know, it's it's Bradbury is clearly not the same player that he that he was a year ago. But I don't think you can I don't think you can take him out of the lineup. I, I think I think you need him in there. I think turning over the secondary to to Ringo and Ricks both would Ooh. be would be a little bit troublesome. I guess the argument could be made that if you're going to do that, this is the week to do it against an offense that doesn't have a whole lot on the outside. But I, I would still probably keep Bradbury in there in the hopes of trying to get him right ahead of the playoffs and figure out what kind of defenses you can call with a diminished Bradbury out there once once the bell rings for the postseason. Yeah. Boy, I was that if you asked me to give you my most positive spin on that game. I, I would start with Ringo. I yeah. thought he held up really well. Um, but boy, yeah, I'm not ready to make that move. And even Ricks, you know, getting him out of the slot, he was a disaster in the slot, but he's not a mm -hmm. slot cornerback. It's not his right. fault. He's a big six foot two range. He doesn't have short area quickness. And even he played well. I think that showed you his long-term upside. But boy, man, you're 10 and four. I get it. You lost three in a row, but the world is not over. You're still going to be playing in January. I, I got to get Bradbury right or at least get him some confidence back. I don't know. I mean, he's been playing so long. I, I don't think that's that big of an issue. Sometimes you say, all right, he had a bad game. He's not having a good year. But I, 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 you mentioned the schedule. It's Giants, Arizona, Giants. There's a chance to give some struggling players, yeah, get them back on path. I I think that's got to be the the and the guys you got to lean on, and Bradbury's one of them. Um, yeah, disappointing season, but I I can't pull the plug on James Bradbury. And, and James Bradbury is not the only high priced defensive player who's not getting the job done right <laughs> now. And I I think we're not talking nearly enough about how the defensive line is the, where all the and this is where all the money is. And this yeah, is where you spent yeah. all that all that first round draft capital. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat are not affecting the game enough, especially late in the game and on third downs. Earlier in the season, Hassan Reddick was the closer in a couple of these different situations, but just from from snap to snap, he's not they're not giving you enough either guy. Brandon Graham's not not giving you enough, and that's understandable. He's you know he's in his mid thirties at, at at this point. But you need the you need Josh Sweat, you need Hassan Reddick to be to be beasts. Jalen Carter had a great couple of reps. 
in that game. But for large stretches of that game, you didn't you didn't hear his name called. Jordan Davis ha- has b- kind of been there, but again, not making an impact. And, and so this defensive line, this uh, this defense was designed around the, the, that front four, these eight players that they rotate through getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. And it was really disconcerting in that final drive when you knew that Locke had to drop back and throw each and every time they didn't come close to sacking him. And it's not like he was doing quick screens and, and, and five-yard drop-offs. He, he's got like 15, 20 air yards on these different passes. And so that if they can't fix that, it really doesn't matter what you've got going on with James Bradbury or the linebackers or the safeties. The defense is going to give up a ton of points. And then you better hope the offense is scoring 30-plus points a game. All right. Very simple question for you here, Johnny S. Three words. Quez. Watkins, why? <laughs> Boy, if we knew the answer to that question, we could cure a lot of problems, right? Um, I, I, <laughs> I struggle to figure out some of the personnel usage, especially with Quez. I mean, OZ, every time he has been targeted, it seems, comes up with a play. Yeah. And he's not a superstar, but he's so solid. Like, he's dependable. He, he's I, And if I don't understand why he's not your, your number three getting all of the number three reps. Why, why are we still trying to make Quez Watkins a thing? I, I don't not know. only that he doubled down on Quez again. I know, which by uh, the I, way, I, uh, all the things that happened, I uh, know I shouldn't say you can't lead off with Quez Watkins though. Uh, no, all the I, things well, that happened. Well, and here's the thing. If you want to support your player publicly, that's fine. But on, on Sunday, if you want to just kind of, limit him to two snaps, three snaps a game while continuing to say, Hey, we like Quez. We want to give him that. that that's fine. I, I don't need Nick Sirianni to smash the guy in, in, in the, uh, in, in the post-game press conference. Yeah, yeah, the well, and he can't, I don't even understand people expect, you know, he yeah. tries to protect everybody, which right. is understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that part right. is, understandable. but let your actions, let your actions dictate what you actually feel. So stop, Stop dialing that play up. Stop putting him yeah. out there in big spots because there was another play in the game too if you watch the All-22 where Quez is just supposed to run a clear out. You know, he's just supposed to fly up the field to open something up underneath yeah. for Devontae Smith and, and just kind of jogging. Not, it, yeah. Like, what are we doing here? So, uh, Quez Watkins, why? Great question. Yeah. Um, and, and only you know, one, I wanted your answer, John, but there's <laughs> another guy I'd really rather hear from, but yeah. all he's going to do is say, oh, Quez's speed makes other guys open, except it doesn't. Yeah, it hasn't changed. All right, and can I follow up with a quick one, John? Yeah. Nick Sirianni, stubborn. Question oh, yeah. mark. Oh, yeah. What the- Absolutely. Uh, that's the thing. It's like he said at his news conference this week, too, that, you know, basically we've been running the same offense for three years, you know, what's and it's been successful for us. What's the problem? You've been running the same <laughs> offense for three years. Like, you can't do that in the NFL. You can't. These guys are too smart. You you can't just exactly. run the same three plays, the same three formations with the same guys over and over again, especially when your quarterback is clearly not the same runner that he was a year ago. I was watching some Jalen Hurts highlights from 2022 this week, a game against the Packers when the Eagles ran for like 300 yards. It's a different quarterback running the yeah. football. You can't look at video from last year of Jalen Hurts running and Jalen Hurts running this year and not say and not see it. Like he's he is slower. He is he is not cutting the way he did last year. He is not dynamic with the football. And if you're still trying to run the Jalen Hurts is a dynamic runner offense 
with a Jalen Hurts who, whether it be injury or or just losing some speed or whatever it might be, you're just going to run into a brick wall now. Wasn't that he better the other night? Wasn't he better against yeah, Seattle? I thought he was the best he was all year running yeah. the football. Uh, it was, was kind of strange. It, yeah. it was better. It's still but not like he was before, though, I think he, is what John was trying to He say. can't get to the outside. Yeah. That's the, that is the big difference with Jalen Hurts. If you give him a lane up the middle, he can take that. But yeah. when you look at some of the cutback runs that he made last year, where he's cutting to the outside and he's he's getting around tacklers on to the sideline, he's not doing that this year. That aspect of his game is completely gone, and I think that affects what they do in the with their their game is so heavy on RPO, it affects everything they do in the passing game yeah. and in the running game. Now, uh, at John Stolness, I know you got to go. So last one from me, Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you read John there. Uh, tremendous podcast on the Eagles and the Phillies. Uh, don't forget the Phillies. Um, uh, I, 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 I can tell you what Nick would say. You know, the evolution of the offense is sort of encompassed in that. Uh, mm. You're always making tweaks. You're always doing this. That's what he'll say. But it does look, I am going to put more on Jalen Hurts than Nick Sirianni. And I'll tell this why. And we'll go back to the A.J. Brown. Look, that's the first read. The read was high to low. Mm -hmm. The guy with the cornerback was 12 yards off. He should know what the line of scrimmage. You know what? This probably you take a look at it, but that's not going to be there. And then you go back to the second read. And if Devontae Smith gets the football and makes a big play and Jake's Elliott said everybody's happy, and all of a sudden the offense is clicking. I do think it's got more to do with the regression of the quarterback over the past three games. Mm-hmm. than the regression of Nick Sirianni's offense. Um, I say players, players, players when things are good, and I say players, players, players when things are bad. Um, am I wrong for that? See, here's the thing. It's not any one thing, and not every, everybody's right and everybody's wrong uh, with, with this. It is scheme, it is stubbornness from Sirianni, and it is regression from Jalen Hurts. It is, it is other players also not performing. The offensive line has not played as well this year, missing assignments, not blocking properly. With regard to Hurts, I think the decision-making these last few weeks certainly has regressed. I think all year he's been careless with the football, certainly more careless than he was a year ago. I don't know if that's because of injury or if it's because of the new offensive coordinators working out some of the some of the kinks there. Certainly, I think they miss Shane Steichen tremendously, but Hurts is not performing as well this year. And there, there could be any number of explanations as to as to why that is, and I, I, I don't know exactly why Hurts is. I mean, I think even in the Dallas and, and San Francisco game, the defense was so bad it overshadowed Jalen Hurts. So I think played okay. Some, some turnovers aside, he played pretty well in those games. The Seattle game was just bad, and you wonder how much of that was 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 the sickness and some of the decisions that he made there. But I, there's also he. Hertz was doing a lot of hero ball and he has been doing a lot of hero ball these last few weeks. That is reminiscent of, of Carson Wentz after the ACL tear, but there are too many people calling him Carson Wentz now no, and, and ready yeah, to, to yeah. bail on Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And, and please everybody, you, you can criticize Jalen Hurts and the decision-making and talk about regression and all of that without at the same time calling him Carson Wentz, uh, writing him off for, for 2024 and beyond, you know, it yeah. just, there's got to be some level-headedness when we're talking yeah. about the quarterback. In Much this team. more. We're, we're yeah, just I'm, missing it. He's got the. He does not have Carson Wentz's mindset. You don't no. have to worry about that. Yeah, I even agree. though, according to both John and John here, 
he went to the nighttime NyQuil and said something foolish. <laughs> that that is not a report. That was just a joke. Okay, yeah, just double checking. Um, last thing for me, if we assume that a heavy mention of his name is not a good thing, will Tyler Steen be mentioned significantly after the game on Sunday? I I hope so in in a positive way that that he that he came through and and provided some good pass protection and run support. I I'm thinking they're going to play Jack Driscoll and Sua Opeta on the offensive line. That's kind of my scary thought just because they'll want the they'll want the veteran presence That's on the defensive line. Yeah. And I think Driscoll's better at guard than he is at tackle for sure. So I, I don't think that that would be a, a terrible decision necessarily, but I really want to see the young guy. Yeah. Steen is like just a monster. I would love to see him get in there and see what he can do. The NFL has a way, man. Yeah, right, right when you're having offensive line injury issues, here comes Wink Martindale. He's going to blitz <laughs> from the buses, man. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. And Smart I think move Tyler Steen is going to have to deal with it. I think they're going to play him this week. We'll find out on Sunday. We found out plenty over the last 40 minutes with John Stolnes on the show with us. You know, we love having you on, brother. We will certainly be getting you on again when we get closer to the playoffs. Thanks, pal. Sounds Thank good, you, guys. John. Anytime. You bet. Leading Green Nation and Eye on the Enemy podcast. Uh, we've got uh, John Stolnes here with us on Birds 365. All right, quick timeout. Come back. we still got plenty of show to go, including Scott Grayson from Fox 29. Going to join next hour here on Birds 365. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money. 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, do us a favor, like, share, and subscribe. The subscribe thing just gives you notifications to your phone that Jordy McDonald said something stupid again. And they'll ring you on your phone. So uh, there's no reason that you shouldn't subscribe here. On, uh, they should Bird. ring ring people on their phone. <laughs> that would create uh, excitement. Uh, uh, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. All right, uh, Johnny Mac. About Nick Seriano, we've talked about him plenty today because he said some unusual things yesterday when he went met with the media via uh, Skype. Um, but in a weird way, should he get some credit for doing what he did because it flies in the face of one of the things that at least I believe is his biggest weakness? As we talk with John about uh, Quez Watkins and uh, the foolishness of uh, competitive advantage of keeping things under wraps, your own, my own personal stance of the fact that he defers out of rote rather than actually considering the situation and the matchup they're in. I think one of the biggest faults Nick Sirianni has is that he's as stubborn as the day is long. And you need to be convicted. If you're a a head coach, you can't be wishy-washy. I don't want a wishy-washy head coach. But I also don't want a foolishly stubborn head coach. And at times, I think 
Nick Sirianni can be just that. He wasn't stubborn about Sean Desai. He felt they needed a change, that something had to happen, that they needed to give the team a jump start. Well, he's 0 for 1 with the result in Seattle. So, and that's what he'll be judged on the results. It's what he should be judged on the results. Uh, but uh, that loss in Seattle does not the season make. Doesn't help, but it doesn't make the season either. Should he at least get some credit for going, yeah, we can just keep banging our head against the wall on the defense and the numbers say we're pretty brutal about it. Or we could try and affect change. Now, did he make the right call? Only time will tell. But should we give him at least some credit for doing something rather than just staying stubborn Sirianni? Uh, yeah, I get, you know, it's a contradiction because everybody's complaining about the offense. They still have a top 10 offense, by the way, I believe, uh, as we head into this week. Yep, ninth overall, uh, still have a top 10 offense um, after a very poor for performance in Seattle from but a you know passing what's perspective. You about that top 10 offense, John? I just saw those numbers this morning. It's more because of the running game than it is about the passing game. Yeah, yeah, which is hilarious as well because yeah. people think they can't run the ball. Right. Um, and they, you know, some of that, obviously, you know me, I'm not skewed by games, early games against Minnesota, Tampa Bay, when they're running the ball really effectively. They haven't run the ball effectively recently, but they were pretty good in Seattle. They turned it around. Um Somewhat, yeah, they weren't great, but they were certainly They're better running it than passing it. Yeah, oh, well, they were terrible. That was their worst game of the year passing. Uh, and probably some of that, as John said, John Stolness had to do with Jalen's illness. I, I believe that, but you know, the offense as a whole, over and that's all you can go over uh 14 games, which is pretty significant, seventh in points per game, third, third down offense, first, fourth down offense, ninth red zone offense. And that's what Nick Sirianni prides himself on. So um that's okay. Yeah, but should not- Nick Sirianni pride himself on getting off the field on third down? Pride's got to be about the entire team. He's well, that's what the I'm, team, saying. Right? I'm saying. Situational football. And the reason Sean Desai no longer has his job, he has his title, but make no mistake, he doesn't have his job, Right, is because of that situational football. And they're 32nd, third down defense. 32nd, for those who don't know, is dead last. <laughs> um, you can't get worse than that. And that's why he doesn't have his job. Now, they were just as bad. So you say, are you shuffling the decks on the Titanic, shuffling the chairs on the Titanic? Maybe. Um, do you need to make a change? Maybe. It's just, uh, I, you know, from my perspective, and Nick admitted, and again, at this stage, you need sodium pentothal to get truth out of this guy. So take it for what it's worth. But he did say, look, at this stage of the year, there can't be that many changes. They just can't. So if that's that, that that to me is the issue, and that's what I thought from the start. If you want to make a change after the season, yeah, knock yourself out. I'd probably agree with you. If things didn't change, if Sean continued, um, and you're one and done, and you got killed on third downs in the playoffs again, and you lose the game because you can't get off the field, fire him. Then I I would say, well. He's probably got to go, you know, to be honest. I mean, that's what this profession is. It might not be fair, but you're, you're judged on, on the bottom line. 
Yeah. Brian Johnson, great quote. It's a process-driven profession, but you're 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 judged on results. So it sucks. You know, you might be doing everything right, but you don't get the right result. You're gone. It sucks, but that's that's real life. Um, right, but you can also do things wrong, and it works. Yeah, exactly. credit for it. That, yeah. that, those things balance each other out over time. Well, I don't know if it does balance out because guys making smart decisions over a long period of time are going to get better results than guys making crappy decisions and maybe get a good result because Lady Luck was on their side. So that's their whole point. That was Brian's whole point. If you're doing the right thing, you're going to get over a long period of time. The problem is in the NFL, you don't often get a long period of time because you have these herky-jerky owners who are like, right, get this guy out of here. Get you know, Or it could be the GM or it could be the coach or it could be everything in Philadelphia. We still don't know. Um, and we won't know probably till Sean decide leaves the building and, and, and actually talks about it. But um, yeah. is it the right decision? I would say no because of how late it was. If, if you're because you can make a decision. Let's say he's just so unprepared for the job. And you know that by week seven or week eight or week, when it could be more meaningful. I still don't like make. I never like making changes in season. I don't think it does much. Now, you can argue if you're a really bad team, at least you can get a head start on the next year. Um, I guess you could make that argument that the Eagles aren't in that category. They're going to be in the playoffs. So from there, and everybody goes back to Baltimore and Cam Cameron. That's an interesting year for me, Jody, because I'll be honest, that was the year Baltimore won the Super Bowl over San Francisco. And that was the year San Francisco was a really good team. That was uh, a Jim Harbaugh team. And Alex Smith was the quarterback. And if you remember, he got a concussion and they were like, I don't know, really good record. I'd have to look up the exact record, but they were winning football games. And he got a concussion and they put in Colin Kaepernick and they stuck with Colin Kaepernick. And I remember writing a column. I just destroyed them. I go, what are you doing? Um, it, it, the guy's just winning games, winning games, and he benched him because of a concussion and his whole thought process. And Jim was right. He's like, we had a ceiling with Alex Smith. who's very good court. We talked about game manager, blah, blah, blah. He was a great game manager. Again, people consider that insult. I don't, um, 85. That's what Chris Long said this week. 85% of the quarterbacks in this league are game managers. 85%. He said four to six are different guys, the, the, the Mahomeses, the Josh Allens, and now we're teetering as Jalen Hurts. I thought he was in that category. Maybe we're not. So if you look at it that way from Chris's perspective, and by the way, he also had a good idea. Start because that, that name has become, that phrase has become poisoned by people using it in a negative fashion. So just call it something else. He said game executive. Whatever. 85% of the guys, he said, are game managers, game executives, whatever you want to call it. And there's there's a handful, he said four to six. There's a handful of guys that are 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 different. 
And right. But let, let me ask you a question about that. I wish we had, uh, you, you said you think you can get long on the show. Love to see if you could pull that off. Um, what do you think the general public looks at that as? Chris Long could call it whatever he wants, and it's a good thing that he explained. Here's how I dynamically break it down to show you what I mean by the definition of game manager when I use game manager. That's good. Good on Long for doing that. But then you have everybody else. And if you're a media person and you're getting your opinion out there to everyone else, you can't just assume that your definition for an important phrase like game manager dictates terms for everyone else. You have to take into consideration what most other other people would define that phrase as. That's why I think he comes off wrong. I think most people yeah, think but of what, what game manager in the same... as a non-complimentary term. Yeah, they... but I'm I'm in the same category, Jody. I'm in the same category in Chris as Chris. And not that we're right or we're wrong or we're indifferent, because everybody can have their opinion. And I, I, I evidently I got to state this, but um, I can't worry about other people's definitions. I, I can only give you my definition. I can't control other people. Like I, I you know, I'm, I'm doing four to six. And I, I started thinking about it because that's the number Chris put on the, the, the guys who aren't the Josh Allen's led by Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. We'll just leave it at and Lamar. We'll just leave it at there. Um, there's four to six of those types at any given time. And everybody else is a game manager. So I think he did a much better job than me. That's what I want to get him on the show. It, it, it's, and then when you start talking about everybody else, and it, even even Lamar Jackson and 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 Josh Allen and and not Patrick, I'll put, you know. If I want to put in categories, I'm putting Patrick one, and then there's a small category of four to five, and then you go down to the game managers. But even he has struggled at times um, for small periods um, because everybody's a human being. Not everybody's perfect. Um, but, yeah, the fact that people don't take into account um, – and and by the way, that's all. And and I'll give Emmanuel Acho credit for this because he's the one who said he got frustrated yesterday because evidently he was having the same conversation as us. And I'm with him as well. I'm so tired of if if Jalen Hurts is in San Francisco's system, how good would San Francisco be? If if Brock Purdy's in Philadelphia's system, what would Philadelphia? Who gives a shit? Right. That's like Not saying. Happening. So Leo DiCaprio, you know, is in the Wolf of Wall Street. Your favorite Leo. Well, what if this actor, that's what Emmanuel said, is in the, who get, who who cares? The system they're in affects the quarterback. And it could be David Carr. It could be Donovan McNabb. I always talk about with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. My God, if Akili Smith or Tim Couch got with Donovan McNabb, got with Andy Reid, who knows what happens to their career. They went in a shitty situation. David Carr went in a shitty situation. That's life. Not fair. Not fair. Doesn't mean they can't play. Chris Long, you know, Baker Mayfield looks a lot better this year under Dave Canales. Um, guys are helped by, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, when you look at somebody like Brock, who's in 
with the best, it's not his fault. And he's better and he's running it better than a veteran and Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's running it better than Trey Lance, who was the second, what was he, second or third overall pick. He's running it better than all those guys. So he's doing a phenomenal job and that's his situation. So give him all the credit in the world. Why Why is it? But I'm not going to say he's Josh Allen. It's it, it, that that is where we differ. That is where we there's four to six guys, as Chris said, that any any situation they're going to elevate. And that's it. And there's and I agree with them 100 percent. Right. And here's where I would disagree with both you and Chris Long. If you're going to draw your line that way, then that means Brock Purdy's in a category with Goff. And uh, yeah, Uh, it's in the same category. You you think he's you think he's more similar to uh, Derek Carr than he is Josh Allen? He's similar to he he's the best of the other eighty five percent. But when you just said, and you said Chris Long said this too, there's the five or six, and then there's all the game managers. Well, when they're all the game managers, you're grouping them in with them. And you're yes. saying, yeah, he belongs with all of them, not with these five. Yes, or it's like okay. I'm, 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 I'm not grouping in. And I always use the basketball uh, comp. I'm not grouping in Mo Cheeks with Steph Curry, who's an all-time great. But as, but as uh, uh, traditional uh, uh, point guards, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it, but he's in that category. He's a traditional point guard. He's, he's, he's a guy who's going to make other people better. And like everybody else, and yeah, there's obviously there's varying degrees, but then there's the the Mahomeses and the Josh Allens and the Lamar Jacksons that can go to Carolina today and make that team significantly better. And there are very few people that can do that at any given time. And not to say they're going to win Super Bowls, but they can make them they can make the worst team in the NFL. At any given time, whatever you think that is, most people think it's Carolina. It might be Chicago, whatever. Uh, they're going to make that team significantly better. And that group is very, very, very small. I thought Jalen was in it. I don't know if he's in it now. Right. So Jalen's in the same group. He's a game manager. I don't know. He's teetering. He's teetering. I thought he was in it. But it's hard to argue that he's in it right now, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you, me, and Chris Long break down quarterbacks and accomplishments and what they've done uh, differently. That's uh, just a foregone conclusion. Um, and you're right. Jalen was out of it. Could he be back in it? He may at some he's got, point. He's got the skill set to be back in it. You have to have a certain skill set to be in it. Um, and a lot of guys, it's like, you know, there aren't a lot of Steph Curry's in the world. You got to have a certain skill set um, to be in that rarefied air, and very few people reach that level. Right, um, and it's not an insult, but everybody takes it. As a, but I can't control what other people think, and and people have poisoned that word, and that's why said Chris said call him something else, whatever you want to call him. Here, here's the only point I would make about the phrase game manager. Again, this is Jody McDonald just spitballing and making spit up. But I bet you I'm right about it. 
most times when media members, John McMullen, Jordy McDonald, Chris Long, uh, Mike Florio, uh, Chris Sims, uh, Boura Sison, whoever else you want to put into that group, use the phrase um, game manager. You know what use, you know what phrase they use, what word they use before it? Just. He's just that's, that's, again, a game manager. Other, so I that tells that. you, if, if Chris Long hasn't figured it out yet, let me explain it to him. When you use the word just, then that is not a complimentary term. That is a derogative term. It is attached to derogativeness. That if you're just a game manager, well, then yes, you're not complimenting that person. It's not, it, it's not being complimentary. It's being derogatory. Sorry, that's just... And I would say that at least 75% of the time when somebody is described as a game manager, it is preceded by the word just. And that's where I got a problem with what Brock well, Purdy yeah, but again, And, and Brock Purdy has only played the amount of games he can play. He can't, you can't wave a magic wand and say, let's take him five years down the road. He's only played a year and a half. So you can only judge the year and a half that he's had so far. It's historically good. And when someone says, yeah, but he's just a game manager, I'm sorry, I'm going to disagree with you and argue with Well, then disagree with them. I can't control. You You just listed off a bunch of names. Scott Grayson's is going to be on the show. If Scott says something, that's on Scott. I can't control what Scott says. I can't control what you say. Right. I can control my definition of the term. My definition is not an insult. He's in a group where... It, it, it personnel scheme, um, uh, play calling matters, and most of all, his play matters. Most of all, but it all matters. Things have to be right for the eighty-five percent for them to win. That's all I'm saying. It's not an insult. It's 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 the vast majority of quarterbacks in the world. Everything has to be right for them to win at a high level. You bring up San Francisco. You can check this out. I read this yesterday. I don't know if it's the case because when we went through this with the Eagles, they're favored every week. How many straight weeks were they favored um, before the San Francisco game? How many? It was an astonishing number of weeks. The Eagles were the favorite team uh, going into each and every game until the San Francisco game. San Francisco were they with favorite a, in Kansas City. Um, or was it the so. Kansas City game? Whatever, whichever game they weren't favorite for the first time, uh, it was a long time before they were the underdogs. They were favored in the Super Bowl as against Kansas City, but I think this year they might yeah. have been an but it was. A, but my point is it was a long stretch of time. San Francisco has gone 25 games, and I didn't check this, I just read it, where they've been the favorite. 25 straight games. Maybe now, regular season. They weren't favored. Well, it's probably Eagles regular in the, season in the championship game. Probably last year. regular season. But, and that's talking with a rookie quarterback who was, you know, that tells you how good the team was, is. There's not an insult. San Francisco, take Brock Purdy off the table, Jody, because I know. And by the way, you were ground floor on Brock Purdy. I give you applause. Take him off the table. Pretty fucking good team. With anybody, yeah, but I, I you agree if, with that. 
if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I'd rather be facing the Sam Darnold-led 49ers than the Brock Purdy. I'm, 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 I'm not. Choice. That's not my question. Pretty fucking good team, right? They, they would were still be good. good team. Yes, they were a pretty good team with Jimmy Garoppolo, weren't they? Pretty good. Yes. They they decided to go with Trey Lance. He got um, two games before he was injured. Do you think they were going to go two and fourteen if Trey Lance no, didn't get injured? No, 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 no. Pretty no. fucking good team. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to say. Pretty fucking good team. Not his fault. He landed in a great spot. What What are you we, supposed we to could, do? We could do we could do a half an hour on how much uh, the head coach of the 49ers of this system are overrated, but we don't have time to do that because we got to punch up Scott Grayson from uh, Fox 29. Scott Grayson next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. 
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Mac and Mac, joined by our buddy Scott Grayson, the sports director of Fox 29, and Eagles fan. I want to start there. <laughs> Eagles fan. How do we determine when you're an Eagles fan or not? Because... John and, and Stonis and, and McMullen and I were having a conversation early, and I was a little surprised, if not taken aback, by the fact that both John and um, John and John were willing to cut Jalen Hurts some slack that yeah, he might have been sick the other night, and he said something that maybe he didn't really understand what he was saying, and we don't necessarily want or need to hold him accountable because he might have been sick. And Nick Sirianni has said some lying and dumb and foolish things this week, but he might have just misspoke. The whole going for a pass interference thing. He just got his words jumbled and whatever. And you shouldn't hold it against him. Should we? Because if we're not, here's, here's where I think we have to hold players and coaches responsible for what they say. If you're a fan of a team, you want to root for the team. You want to root for the individual players. You want to become a fan of a player. Jason Kelsey is such a popular player in this town because of what he says and how he held, handles himself in public situations. That makes him as lovable as he is. If we're not going to listen to what these guys have to say and hold them to what we're saying, we're back to the old Seinfeld joke of, well, we're rooting for Laundry. We're not really rooting for a team. Well, We're not rooting uh, for guys. Then. We're rooting for Midnight Green. That's all that it is. By the way, that Jerry was right. Uh, that's all any fan does. They're rooting for laundry. See, They're not I disagree for... with that. I hope yeah. that fans are more than that, that yeah. they actually pay attention and listen yeah. to the people. They'll be rooting I think this for the fan next base does. Yeah. I think this fan for base pays attention. Look, We've seen trash cans outside of the uh, Novacare complex, and we've seen, you know, signs to run the ball. I think this fan base is an educated fan base that pays attention. Now, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, I've used this analogy this week. I think Nick Sirianni is flying a plane that's got two engines on fire, and he's got to try to figure out a way to land this thing. Hmm. And, and I think he's acting like a guy who's feeling the pressure of flying a plane that. That's not really doing real well and has got a very good chance of not landing. And in it's to me, I think, you know, the I was just looking back while you guys were talking uh, at the transcript from yesterday and just kind of refreshing my memory a little bit of what he was saying. And uh, so doozy. There, are things, that are, being, there. there yeah. are things that are being said that just make you scratch your head right now. And, and, and I would argue Nick has not faced this kind of pressure. In his three years here, I know they lost three games in a row the year they went to the playoffs and and played Tampa and then lost. No expectations time. though that right. year, well, exactly. And yeah. and this team, you know, and the reality of the situation is they're ten and four, and they could finish this season thirteen and four. They really should finish thirteen and four. And if you told me at the beginning of the year with the schedule they had that they would have gone thirteen and four, I would have said probably a shot at the one seed, probably not, probably should win the division. Um, and you look at it and, and you go now, well, it's not what they've done. It's how they've done it that really has everybody so frustrated. And yeah. then you come out afterwards, you defend a quarterback who makes passes that should have never been thrown. And, and my question to me is, my question to them is, what are you guys doing in film sessions that he keeps making the same mistakes? Are there the account of, you use the word accountability. 
Is there the teaching points? Are there the lessons made with the film to show him that you had Kenny Gainwell here who could have run probably 20 yards, uh, maybe at least 15, and given you a shot at a field goal, at least one more play after that, to get a little closer to tie the game? Is there accountability held when you're watching the film and seeing James Bradbury get burned in man coverage the entire way down the 92 yards of the field to say maybe we shouldn't be doing that? Um, where You use the word accountability. And I think this is all the pressure coming in on Nick, you know, and he says, don't blame Brian Johnson, blame me. We've run the consistently same offense the last three years. Well, Nick, that's the problem. Look at Andy Reid. He runs these ring around the rosary things and tries to at least do something different and, and unique. There's no creativity right now on either side of the ball. And that's my problem uh, that I see looking at this. And I think Eagle fans are smart enough to look at all this and hear the words that are said and say, ah, I'm not really buying this. And I, it's going to be a real interesting well, game on Sunday, or Monday. To Jody's point, I have the luxury of not being a fan, so to get everyone upset. Um, I just give you my opinion of what I thought, Jalen. I thought it was kind of a throwaway line. Now, I don't know if it was because of the illness, but that's how I took it. Now, Nick constantly lies. Right, oh, sorry, can I just interrupt for one second? <clears throat> yeah. Jalen Hurts has been uh, quarterback of the Eagles for how long now? Um, uh, three years as a starter. This is his third year, fourth year overall. Away line during those three years, and that's why we brought up the illness. And I made the joke about nighttime Nyquil instead of daytime Nyquil. <laughs> he was a little loopy, but anyway, or he was pissed off because they'd lost three games in a row, and he was being honest. It's possible. It was possible. Very rarely, though, is he honest. Uh, you get a bunch of T-shirt slogans. Are he rarely? He lost three games in a row. So you mentioned, you mentioned, but, you mentioned Jody. You mentioned Jason Kelsey, and you're right. If you want to compare the two guys, Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, we all know Jalen Hurts is going to give you what sounds good. A lot of times he's going to give you yeah. what sounds good. Yeah. Jason Kelsey is going to give you the brutal, honest truth, and frankly, he's one of yep. the first guys who'll come out after a game and say, "I suck today. I suck today." And and I think that's oh, one thing that the other night he was brutally honest. He goes, "Yeah, they told me not to do it. I did it. They were, yeah, I did it. I was wrong. That's on me. That was a stupid move by me. He took uh, the, the the bullets which he should have taken. And yeah. it makes it more forgivable, does it not? When somebody's honest like that, as long as you don't, you know, it's the same. I tell my kids all the time: don't make the same mistake twice, right, or even three times. Okay, he did it. He got caught. Now the key is if Jason does it again. Well, then you start going, come on now. You know, you told us you know that they're looking at it, and you did it again. By the um, way, he we, tried to steal like a yard. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so anybody complaining about that, that's the wrong thing to be complaining about. But I will say this. You're right. I mean, Jason endears himself. So there's a sliding scale to get back to Jody's point. And those guys tend to endear themselves. But, I mean, does anybody think Jalen was being honest the three years before Monday night? The guy never tells you anything. Nick Sirianni lies to your face as an Eagles fan. I, I, that's up to you if you want to accept that. I got, I got, I, I got to get, ask the guy questions. Sometimes he's honest behind the scenes. Sometimes he isn't. Um, but he lies in front of the camera all the freaking time, and he did it a bunch to the fans last week. They love him up until they don't love him. They love Jalen Hurts up until. They don't love, and I think they still love Jalen, but Jalen doesn't give you anything on a, on a, on a weekly basis. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see the connection to somebody like 
Kelsey, who is more above board, um, and certainly he becomes more endearing before of it because of it, other than the quarterback's the superstar and the quarterback's the quarterback. I mean, to he me, never Jay- gets anything. No, and, and to me, Jalen's value is not what he says. It's how he acts. I think the way he stays calm on the sidelines in the midst of a lot of chaos is usually what I respect the most out of him as an athlete uh, and a leader. And and it's not what he says. It's how he acts. Now, we don't know what he says behind the scenes and closed doors. Yeah. We don't know what he might be saying this week to those guys. Frankly, this is when you need a franchise quarterback to step up and, and, and verbally behind the scenes and, and get this ship righted. Uh, I mean, you can't rely on these coaches. You can't rely on the players alone. It all has to be joint. But he's got to step up, in my opinion, and and, and be a leader behind the scenes. Scotty, I'll tell you the reason why the Eagles have lost three straight games. One phrase, Lacko-Chunk. This is a team that's philosophy is built around chunk plays. They've given up way too many chunk plays on defense. That's why Sean Desai is now floating hither down at the Eagles complex with a title, but we don't I wonder if we got Howie's old office when he very uh, well have. uh, It's uh, he got banished very, very well to be determined. And I saw this on Rube's stats in his column after the game, which I think was very telling. In the the first eight games of, excuse me, first 10 games of the year, the Philadelphia Eagles had eight plays over 40 yards. In these last four games, they have no plays over 40 yards. So early on, they made chunk plays. Last four weeks, they're starving for a chunk play. And that's what Jalen Hurts was going for, a chunk play. Now we can get into the semantics and definite what is or isn't a chunk play. We all agree over 40 yards would be a chunk play. The Eagles are over the last four weeks, and they tried to force that in the game the other night. Who's to blame for that? Jalen Hurts, uh, the play caller, or the head coach because it's his offense. Understood it's a combination effort, but if you had to put him in order of blame, who would you blame most for the Eagles trying to force a chunk play uh, Monday night against Seattle? See, you just don't know what was called, right? Is Jalen, like, I I put the blame on Jalen. Ultimately, he's the one who threw the ball. And and you can go to the sideline if you're Jalen and come back and say, I just, I didn't like what I saw. And most coaches will accept that. Um, You know, I didn't like what I saw. He was getting too close to the sideline. There was enough there that by the time the ball comes down, the other guy could get. Oh, as John noted, 12 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, the DB was playing him on that play, John. There it is. I like what I saw. The DB was back 12 yards. You know, and and here's the thing. If that was the first quarter or second quarter, I'd have been okay with the try, right? Maybe you draw the flag. Maybe you don't. Maybe you connect, you know, because because AJ is good in one-on-one going up for a ball and coming down with it. But when the game is on the line, and that is essentially your last play, because if it falls incomplete, even you now have six seconds left, what are you going to do? You're going to have to chuck a Hail Mary. Uh, you know, to me, I, I I just think it was a bad decision all around. And if it was a coach's decision, it, to me, it's a fireable offense. I mean, that's like, whoa, let's, get, I mean, let's get Nick out. Okay, let's go back to maybe not a fireable offense, but we'll just change play calling responsibilities and we'll still call mm-hmm. you the offensive coordinator. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And I think Jalen had no right throwing that ball. You're right. You look at the coverage, he's 12 yards off. It, it, you know right then and there, like, A.J.'s not going to beat him down the field. Well, you know, I think it's ironic, Scott, that 
Look, I don't, I don't, I don't like the play call either, but I don't like the play call because, and I tell Jody all the time, nobody judges play calls. They judge play results. So the result was awful. So they don't like the play call. Mm-hmm. Baked into that play call was, oh, you come off the first progression to the second progression. If you take the second progression, all of a sudden it becomes a good play call. And you're in a position, maybe Jake Elliott kicking a field goal and everybody's happy. So that's sort of the dividing line. You know, as Jody pointed out, 12 yards off the, the cornerback, he didn't look off the safety uh, so the safety could get over. The Eagles were in the same defense when Seattle won the game, literally the same defense, uh, uh, one cut would be what most people call it. Same defense. Drew Locke uh, did his job um, identifying man-to-man coverage. Uh, The Eagles didn't execute it. Seattle did. It's players. It's always the players. Well, it, it is. It, it is, the which is why I said, I think Jalen is the one who threw the ball. I think you put it on him in the end. But isn't there, like, you know, we're talking about a high level of football here. And if yeah. Jalen looks out at A.J. Brown and A.J. Brown looks at Jalen and there's a guy 12 yards off of him, don't you have a variation of a route where you just bull hard off the line like you're going to go down there to back them off, stop 12 yards, go out of bounds, and they're now on the edge of field goal range? Well, no, here's what I would say. So if I'm going up to the line of scrimmage, I'm not trying to say, but if, 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 if you know, Jalen Hurts is going up to the line of scrimmage and you see the corner 12 yards off, you go right there. All right. You know, already in your head, you should say, all right, the first progression is going to be difficult. Um, start thinking about your second progression, see where that's going to be. Right there, that should be in his head. Then as the play develops, you look at it, you know, maybe something changes. Maybe maybe the corner makes a mistake. Maybe AJ gives him a hesitation move. Maybe he gets a step. Um, you still got to look off the safety, which he didn't do. So you get him going to the opposite side of the field. Then you come back. Maybe it's there. Maybe it isn't. But if it's not there, you go to the second progression. That's that's why I say it's it's got to be more on the quarterback than the play caller, the head coach even. And the head coach, while he's lying to you, he's lying to you, he's trying to protect the quarterback. And he said something stupid. You know, how about it? Stupid explanation. Oh, we're trying to get a pass interference, which is dumb. Um, but Jalen made a mistake, and it's like, that's where we are. And Bill, you don't want to blame the players, which is fine. But a step further, okay, I agree with you entirely. A step further would say this is not the first time we've encountered this problem. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean they—they're uh, Jody's right. They're—they're they're taking too many shots down the field, especially if you look at that entire game. Seattle was playing their safeties for most of the game in the parking lot. I mean, they came into the game saying we're going to limit explosive plays, and that's why the Eagles had such—they um, were doing a great job of it early. They were taking the running plays. They were moving down the field. The first two of the, the two of the first three drives were very effective, and all of a sudden they got away from it. Um, why? I don't know. But they're That's so been a consistent problem. They're so intent because they've had so much success with explosive plays. They want them. They crave them. 
They do, and when they're not there, they can't be patient. I asked Nick that in the press conference. He had a decent answer. It was one of his few decent answers. They crave them. Same thing happened to Kansas City years ago when everybody couldn't stop Tyreek and they said, you know what? We're just going to play our safeties in, in the Arrowhead parking lot and you're going to have to meticulously go down the field. And there was like a six or seven game stretch where Mahomes was getting frustrated because he's used to the big plays. He's used to those gash plays. And then he figured it out. Eagles got to figure it out if teams are going to do that. I, and I don't understand, though, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong with a 12-play drive and another 12-play drive? Where you Not are right. now, you are wearing down a defense, theoretically, and you are moving the chains. And that's what they did. And sometimes, you know, obviously every game plays out differently for various reasons. As this game played out, it was evident that there was an opportunity to keep moving the ball down the field. And that's where I then go to the play to Quez Watkins and pull my hair out and say, why? Well, yeah. That to me is uh, part of the problem. Uh, making a reference from earlier in the show, not NQ, NyQuil, NQ, no Quez. That would help things immeasurably with the team right now. And my disdain for Mr. Watson's contribution aside, what did what has uh, Alameda Zacchaeus done wrong? What did he do? Did he does he have? Uh, did he like uh, tell a bad joke at a team meeting? Did he hit on somebody else's girlfriend that was not acceptable within that locker room? Why don't they ever give that guy a chance? Because it seems to me when they put him out there, he actually makes plays. Unlike the guy who always gets more snaps than him as the third wide receiver, uh, Mister Watkins. Correct. I completely agree with you, Jody. I don't have an answer to that question because, I mean, you say Zacchaeus, and my first thought is the great touchdown catch he had. Um, you know, it was a big one at the time in the game a few weeks ago. I, I, I don't know. Um, and and what, what I think frustrates people the most is you just don't see the effort with the ball in the air. I mean, it, on that opportunity, look, Jalen Hurts is putting a lot of trust in you. So at the very least, back. make sure yeah. it's not intercepted. Yeah. And yep. you – the end of that route, you just see him just kind of like, ah, I got, I don't really have a shot at that. Yeah. You know, the worst part is because Nick, and he did it again yesterday, um, talks about Quez's impact, clearing things out. You got to respect his speed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, John Stolness brought out, and he's right, because I saw the same play he was talking about. There's one, he was designed clearing out. He's just jogging like it's, you know, a leisurely uh, jog in the park. Thursday he's walk to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's not even affecting the game that way. But I will say, if you cut Quez Watkins today, who cares? It's a Band-Aid on a broken leg. That's not the issues with this offense. Uh, yeah, they shouldn't have thrown the ball to him in the end zone. Well, again, I'm, I've been – I have to apologize. I know I've been obnoxious today, and I keep interrupting. Here's who cares. Me. If Howie Roseman well, – I know. You don't like the, No, 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 no. John, this is uh, – let me finish legitimately Howie Roseman walks down to the locker room and tells Nick Sirianni Quez Watkins is cut today. And Sirianni goes, why? The answer from Howie Roseman is I don't trust you. You'll put him back out there. You continue to say he makes a difference and he doesn't. So I figured the only way that we can actually get 
Scott Grayson doesn't understand. Jody McDonald doesn't understand. Me, Howie Roseman, I don't understand why Lamade Zacchaeus isn't playing. You're the one who's making these decisions. I guess since we've discussed that you've never changed, the only way for me to get Quez Watkins out of the lineup is to give him his walking papers. I think Howie should, Roseman should do that today. Uh, well, that's know, fine. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I was just going to say, listen, it's all well and good they're throwing around the word accountability like it's like it's happening. The only accountability we've seen so far is that Sean Desai lost play calling ability. Yep. That's holding a coach theoretically accountable. The only way you're going to see some sort of accountability within the players is it, it, something like that, Jody. I mean, that would scream accountability, right? And send a message to the rest of the team like you guys better stop loafing around on routes or whatever. Uh, and 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 you say, okay, well, the, the coaches need to hold the players. Okay, fine. Put Quez inactive one week. See what message that sends. Um, but they won't do it. They won't do it. Uh, you know, you won't see any of that. Uh, so it's. Well, I would say from a larger perspective with Quez, you saw without Quez for four weeks when he was on injured reserve. How'd that they go? did nothing. The bigger, the bigger, they did nothing. They did nothing with, they don't have a third receiver, whether it's Quez Watkins, Alameda Zacchaeus, oh, Julio you're, Jones. You're, spoke, you're speaking the guy who replaced him. Okay. I'm talking. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the Eagles overall. They did nothing. I was going to say. I think that was like the the best four game run that they. No, had. They don't. They don't have a third receiver. That's been one one of the disappointments of Julio Jones. Um, uh, Alamade. I mean, uh, you know, he might be the best of the lot, but again, it's the band aid on the broken leg. You brought up the accountability of the coaching staff. I think that's a, that's what I was saying about Quez. Doesn't matter. He stinks. Get him off the field. All right. Problem solved. You still don't have a third receiver. The the defensive play caller. Um, why? I'm asking everybody this, and this is the first time we've had you on since Scott. So yeah, why? Week 15, and Nick Sirianni goes out there yesterday again. Take it for what it's worth. We can't change much at this stage. So why are you changing much at this stage? Well, my question beyond that, John, is if you're going to change the play caller, why didn't the play calling really look all that different? The same. They played the same third. You had a, you had a they always play competitive advantage. And because Sean Desai was in Seattle, yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I just I, I I agree with you, John. I think the timing of it all is very very questionable. Why? What did you expect to change? Is it because you want to be able to go out there and say, well? We're, Definition of insanity. We're not we're, we're not going to do the same thing and expect, you know, different results. Well, we did something different. Well, you got the same results. So what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, you know, this the, the, the problems are and you saw it with it was very interesting to me. Christian McCaffrey's on with the Mannings and he tells everybody what the play is going to be as it's being run. Uh, to me, this offense and the defense are way too predictable. And when Nick comes out yesterday, he almost basically admits it to you when he says it's the same consistent offense we've run for the last three years. You can't be the same consistent offense. You can yeah. be a same scheme or a same idea, and you have to find different ways to run the same place. I, I, I hate defending Nick, especially in these two weeks. Now I'm going to defend him. I'm going to break because I don't want to defend him. Hey, we we remember Tony Romo. I tell this to Jody all the time. 
Remember when he first got the job at CBS, everybody was blown. Their minds were blown. He was calling yeah. plays at the line of scrimmage. If you're a smart football player, and Christian McCaffrey is off the charts, uh, football IQ. Stanford you, guy. You can do, he can do that at will for every team in the NFL. Uh, literally. Same but with there's Tony. probably 32, 30 whatever defensive coordinators out there who are pretty smart people who can pretty. Oh much yeah, that's thing. why. That's why I always say it's about execution. It's exactly. about the players. It, it, it's about. It, there's yeah. there's ten guys on defense that you're going against before you snap the ball every single time. Probably got a pretty good guess what plays yeah. coming. Bobby, but trust then if me. you block it up right and you yeah. cut right and you make the right physical let me, move, let me, you can beat that. Yeah. Trust me, me, Bobby Wagner can call out every stinking play they're running. And that's not because they're, they're, it's because he's a smart freaking Hall of Fame football player. Well, let me, let me go back to something you guys were talking about while I was sitting here waiting to come on. Back to the Niners. And, and you look at them and you go, talent wise, okay, I would consider, and I'll start at tight end, George Kittle and Dallas Goddard, roughly the same player. Kittle's better. Okay, I'll give you that. Debo Samuel and and Brandon Ayuk as a duo. Give me, I, I'm happy with AJ Brown and, and and Devontae Smith. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the league. I would say Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. The I offensive line careful. with the Eagles. I, I'm saying just if you took them one in a head to head competition with each other, he gives you more dynamic ability. The offensive line with the Eagles is better. That's true. But the Niners move the ball like they're running against the little sisters of the poor. And and the Eagles struggle to get first downs. And when they are moving the ball, they go away from what's working. So you can say execution, but to me, I think some of it. San Francisco's defense is much better than Philadelphia's defense. So Philadelphia's offense has got to go against the San Francisco defense. Meanwhile, the San Francisco offense is going against the Philadelphia. No, I'm not taking them head to head. I'm talking about just in general. The Niners can move the ball with that offense, and they do a bunch of different things with motion. They do a bunch of different things to try to disguise what they're going to do. Well, Kyle's great, but Scott, now as Jody knows, Kyle's the, I think Kyle is the best play schemer, play caller in the NFL by far. But everybody's fighting for number two. Um, however, Go back to the NFC Championship game. Everybody's mocking him. Oh, he's got a backup tight end blocking Hassan Reddick, and he gets his quarterback killed. Guess what? That's been a staple of the Shanahan offense for 15 years, 20 years. How long is Mike? God, 30 years. Um, it, that's what they do. It's play action. You're trying to create an environment where you're fooling the defense and sucking them in. When it doesn't work, people are like, how could you get the quarterback killed? It's all results. They're 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 cooking right now. Oh, they are, and they destroyed the Eagles. They so did. he looks like a a a, and he is. He's in good times and bad times. He's the best in the NFL. But again, if if the Eagles show up and block, I don't know. Insert this week, Kayvon Thibodeau. Who all of a sudden, is starting to stand out. With Jack Stoll and Jalen Hurts bust his shoulder or his elbow, you know, all of a sudden the motion and all the rigmarole and all the thing that people want, it, 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 Jody's right. It's execution, man. 
It's it is, it is, but it's also it is, it is, and ultimately these players. I mean, some of them are just. I I, I question whether some of them are giving you a hundred percent when they get out there now, um, especially as the game starts to turn. But I just feel like play calling is an art. To me, I think play calling is an art. You run something to set up something you want to run later in the game. I don't get the sense this staff does that. Do you? I don't think they're as good at it as Shane. I think Shane is special in that aspect, that particular aspect of what you're talking about. He would set people up and go back. The callback, I like to call it. Um, he would do that. They don't do that as well. But I I expected that with first-year coordinators. That's fair. You have growing pains. They're learning on the job. There's a reason Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator and Brian John. We saw this with Andy Reid. Andy Reid had that Hall of Fame staff in 1999. Look at it today. It's unbelievable. Um, and he started to lose them as they got head coaching jobs and other jobs. And it wasn't as good. The Xerox is never as good as the original. Should that surprise people? No, but I would like to think that by week 15, week 16, like they always say, you know, when, when, you're, when you get to February – uh, AG is uh, looking college. pretty good right now. Well, you get to February of a college basketball season, they say they're not freshmen anymore. That's true. That's you fair. know, and we're here in week fifteen, week six. We're we're almost the end of what used to be a regular season. Yeah, and yeah. and and they're going the wrong direction. I mean, this team is not playing their best football in December. They're playing their worst. Scotty, I got bad news for you. Um, last year is you talk about by the time you get to this week that rookie status is in the rearview mirror. Guess what? Jalen's MVP status is now in the rearview mirror from last oh, yeah. year. And, oh, by the way, the guy who was leading in the MVP, most passing touchdowns in the NFL, Brock I Purdy. told you, you went down the Passer rating by far, number one in the NFL, Brock Purdy. Passing TDs to interception rate, Brock Purdy, number one. Yards per attempt, Brock Purdy, number one. Yards per completion, Brock Purdy, number one. No argument Wins, here. Brock Purdy, number one. So you can't. As we're sitting here in week 14, go, yeah, I'll take Jalen Hurts over Brock Purdy. I think we had. Yeah, I'm looking at it and I'm saying Jalen the big picture, not Jalen this year as a as an isolated example. Because I'm giving now I got Jalen with a bum knee for part of it. A Jalen as who's sick. Uh Jalen with a less dynamic offense than what it should be. Um, so Right now, I agree with you. Brock Purdy is doing everything he needs to do for that team to win a Super Bowl. I agree add, with you. Yeah. Add he, Scott Grayson, Fox 29. Scott and I talked about two other subjects, and he didn't get past the moment you said hurts over Purdy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's listen, he's not wrong. He's not no, wrong. Not I, right now. No, no and we were I, having but, we were having but, the conversation about comparing the Eagles to the 49ers now. Now. Okay. Now is now. Now right is now, not last year or previous years or anything. Now is now. And now right. it's not close. No, I agree with you. Right now, the Niners are a churning machine doing all the right things and going into the postseason yeah. with all the momentum that you confidence. And that that's want. where the Eagles have to, and that's where I bring it up. And we got to go at S. Grayson Fox 29. Make sure you follow Scott on X and Twitter. Uh, does a tremendous job. You're going to be down there for the. Uh, the unveiling of Matt Patricia today? Oh, I will be there. I will see you. Right. <laughs> I, will, I will see you there. I, I get um, the last question then. Sure. Pen, Matt Patricia, pencil, no pencil. 
Ha! Doesn't matter. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't like the pencil. The pencil's a shtick. Like, get rid of it right now until yeah. you start doing something right, good. You got you got to earn his pencil here in Philadelphia. Is that That's what you're right. saying, Grayson? Yeah, you gotta, right. you, 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 and then you can use the pencil. You need the pencil to write third and ten as same defense as always. <laughs> All right, that's got it. Thanks, bud. That's got Grace and Fox 29 here with some great 365. Working Thanks, out. Scott. Appreciate right. it. Uh, quick timeout. Come back. Uh, tell me here. Uh, I know why we got late with. Uh, do we want to do a quickie? Uh, just wrap this bad boy up, or do we want to come back? Sander, uh, quickly. Sander, you can go either uh, text or you can give us a wrap, just it. wrap it up. That's what I thought. We're going to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, and, yes, John gets to go to see whether Mac Patricia does or doesn't have a pencil. We'll end it there. McMullen, make a prediction. Uh, yeah or nay, pencil for Patricia. Yeah, he's got to have the pencil. He's got to write down uh, third and ten, single high, uh, and, man, one will cut. You, will you see the pencil? Either he'll have it in his yeah, ear. Yeah, I'm going to get a picture of ear. the pencil. He's going to he's gonna okay. have it in his ear. He's going to uh, Mike Tice it. I used to cover Mike Tice. He'd do that, too. He'd wear the pencil. Follow uh, John McMullen on Twitter. Uh, and uh, oh, if he's got it up, that means it'll be on Jacob Sports Talk uh, on Twitter as well. The Mac Patricia Pencil could be making an appearance. Social media here today. Coming up next, you got uh, Bill Colaberlo on the Power Hour. So you want to stay here for that. Mac Man, I'll catch you in 22 hours. Let's do it. Mac and Mac back on Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.